Creaking footsteps on wooden floorboards, doors slammed shut, shrill screams in dark rooms. These are the sounds that make you jump and make you tense, waiting for the next scare around the corner. Welcome back to the Shake and Shudder podcast, where we discuss horror movies and the elements that make us quiver. I'm your host, Nicole Brownlee, and this week I'm exploring how director James Wan uses sound in his horror movies and why he focuses so much on it. A fair warning for all listeners, this podcast contains spoilers from Wan's movies Insidious and The Conjuring. Some basic terminology I'll be using in this podcast to describe sound include diegetic sound and non-diegetic sound, which are the sounds that characters within a film can or cannot hear. Another term I'll be using is infrasound. So infrasound is sound that is not registered by human ears because it is quieter than 20 hertz. Music producers use infrasound to evoke instinctual fear for the audience. Wind, earthquakes, and avalanches are examples of infrasound because they have large wavelengths. Due to humans' limited hearing, we feel uneasy and tense when we hear infrasound because we don't understand it. Horror movies then take advantage of infrasound to ensure that their audience is on edge. Director James Wan admits to using near-infrasound, which is sound that registers around 21 hertz. Juan says that he uses this to immerse his audience and to make them feel as though they are in the film. Juan, born February 26, 1977, is an Australian film producer, screenwriter, and director. Some of his most popular films include the first Saw movie, Insidious, and The Conjuring. In an interview with Cinemovie.tv, Juan says that he spends as much time designing the sound for his movies as he does the visual scares. He says that the sound design and musical score are so important because it really helps to convey the story. Insidious and The Conjuring are two of Juan's most successful films, and both of these movies have distinct soundscapes. Insidious tells the story of the Lambert family, who shortly after moving into a new home begin to have strange experiences. When the Lambert's eldest son, Dalton, falls into a coma, parents Joe and Renee realize that it is their son that is haunted and not their house. Juan allows the audience to act as an unsuspecting character by letting them see the demons and villains without providing musical or sound cues. This creates an atmosphere of unease for the most attentive viewers. Juan explains in an interview with Ron Messer for Collider that he chose to not always have musical cues or stings when each ghost appears. Juan says that it's scarier if a character just walks past and we don't acknowledge it. He also says that they wanted to keep Insidious silent so that they could add elements which would contrast. These include the atonal scratchy violin score that opens the movie and several piano bangs throughout. Juan says to Messer, the juxtaposition between loud and silent is what sets you on edge. Uh, So I'll be discussing two notable scenes from Insidious to show Juan's effective soundscape in this movie. So the first scene opens with Renee settling into the new home. So while cleaning, she hears the sound of a child running through the house. This startles Renee because she is home alone. The entire scene is silent as it follows Renee searching for the child. Both Renee and the audience then become distracted by the diegetic sound of the kitchen door creeping closed. A young boy then comes out of nowhere and giggles as he runs behind her. Because the scene is so quiet, the sound of running footsteps and small laugh is startling. A more tense scene is between Josh, his mother Lorraine, and Renee. Lorraine explains to the concerned parents that she had a dream about a figure in Dalton's room. The camera focuses on Lorraine's face as she hears a crackling sound. The audience then watches as she shifts her eyes towards the sound, and her eyes widen in terror. 
The camera then cuts to a demon hiding behind Josh's chair, and there is a simultaneous cacophony of sounds as Lorraine leaps from her chair. The music then fades into violin and back to silence within seconds. Both of these scenes last only a few minutes and are mostly silent, which makes the sudden bursts of music or diegetic sound more impactful. The jarring transition from silence to striking sounds creates anxiety throughout the film. The Conjuring uses similar tactics as Insidious, but includes more of a soundtrack to create fuller scenes. The Conjuring tells a story of the Perone family who experienced disturbing events in their new home. Sound familiar? This movie is based on a real case study by the supernatural investigating duo Ed and Lorraine Warren. The two key moments I'll be dissecting are when the mother of the Perone family, Carolyn, gets locked in the basement and when Cindy hears a bump in her dresser. Both of these scenes are very quiet, but strategically use both diegetic and non-diegetic sound to make you feel like you're in the film. At this point in the movie, Carolyn is often alone in the house watching her children. Strange things have begun to happen in the house, such as unexplained noises, sudden bruises and scratches on Carolyn's body, and the clock stops at 3 a.m. every night. Carolyn dismisses these small things and does not suspect any paranormal sources at the time. One night, Carolyn hears clapping from the main floor. She checks each of her daughter's rooms and finds each of them tucked in and asleep as she hears the clapping sound again. The dull sound of their grandfather clock follows Carolyn as she flicks on lights in the hallway and pushes open doors. Her footsteps make no noise. The door to a closet creaks open and three descending notes play on an out-of-tune piano. The audience knows from an earlier scene that this closet leads to the basement, and what makes it even creepier is that the, star the staircase was originally boarded up, but the Perones opened it after discovering the added space. Carolyn walks into the pitch black closet and turns on a lone light bulb at the top of the stairs. Diegetic, haunting string music breathes through the background of the scene as she climbs down two stairs. The camera pans wide to show the basement, filled with furniture cloaked in dirty white sheets. Carolyn jumps back up the two steps and informs the basement, Whoever's down there, I'm going to lock you up now. She turns to leave the closet, but the door slams in her face with a giant crashing noise and knocks her down the stairs. She cries in pain as she tumbles down the stairs and a loud mix of string and wind instruments follow. All music stops when her body hits the piano at the bottom of the stairs. The piano keys ring and a non-diegetic high-pitched tone accompanies the scene as Carolyn tries to recover. The camera is beside Carolyn and shows her profile as she sits up and stares at the room. A small ball bounces from behind a chair across the room and loud string music plays when it lands in front of her. Carolyn crawls up the stairs in fear as the music gets even louder and the light bulb bursts. The music stops as Carolyn reaches for a box of matches left in the closet. She strikes them one at a time, trying to see into the basement. A child's voice then from behind Carolyn asks, Want to play hide and clap? Carolyn's eyes widen in fear and two hands appear above her left shoulder and clap twice. The loud symphony of horrific instruments rips through the scene and ends with her screaming and rattling the door. Juan then does not give his audience any time to recover. So moments after this, the prone's oldest daughter, Cindy, wakes up to find her sister, Andrea, sleepwalking into her dresser. Andrea's head bumps the dresser repeatedly, but she does not wake up. Cindy guides Andrea to her bed and tucks her in like her father showed her in a previous scene. 
There's only diegetic sound of Cindy rustling the blankets when the sound of her dresser rattling returns. A non-diegetic, deep rumbling sound starts as Cindy turns around to see that there is no one in front of her dresser. The dresser is moving on its own. The music gets quiet as Cindy walks towards the dresser. When she reaches it, the sound grows with high-pitched string instruments and wind-like howling. The music stops and Andrea sits upright to watch Cindy open the doors of her dresser and find nothing there. The doors of the dresser creak and there is a tight shot of Cindy's face as she stares confused into her own hanging clothes. The room is silent except for Cindy's shaky breath. The camera shifts to behind Andrea's head so you can see from her perspective. She gasps and Cindy turns to look at her. Andrea's breath becomes shaky and loud almost as if it is in your ear. Cindy turns towards the dresser to look for what Andrea sees, and the camera pans up to above the dresser as Cindy's eyes reach there as well. There is a fraction of a second when the room is still silent. The audience then sees a crouched figure clinging to the top of the dresser, staring straight at the girls. The camera then zooms in on the figure, and there is a striking scream and crashing sound. The demon leaps from the dresser onto Cindy. The sudden burst of sound lingers as the scene cuts to Roger getting out of his vehicle and hearing his daughter's screams from inside the house. Both Insidious and The Conjuring are praised for being creative scary movies as well as beautiful films. Juan knows how to not only create terrifying visuals that rely on detail for his audience, but he also curates genius soundtracks. This takes his films from scary to an intense experience you won't forget. Some might say by including near-infrasound, which humans cannot refrain from being scared by, is cheating. I would argue that Juan proves himself through all other aspects of sound design that he does not rely on undetectable sounds to entertain his fans. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Shake and Shudder. I am Nicole Brownlee, and I'm asking you to watch one thing a week that scares you. The music included in this episode of Shake and Shudder is by Kevin MacLeod, accessed from filmmusic.io, the titles of the songs and return of Lazarus. <laughs>